Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get started. Monday style topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. Wow, what a panel we have assembled. Monday style, Adrian Batra, editor in chief of the Toronto Sun. How do, how do? Great day for talk radio, John. Thank you for that, Adrian. Mike Van Solen, principal at Navigator in the House. Happy, happy Monday. And to you. And uh, Kim Wright, principal at Wright Strategies. How's Kim? Fantastic. I had a great uh, weekend in Kingston, Ontario for the Briar. Good, good teams, good times. Go Canada. Apologies uh, all around, too. Our, uh, I guess, condolences for Pete Buttigieg. I know you were backing Pete big time. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty broken up about it all. Uh, you know. I finally pre- learned how to pronounce his name, and he drops out. I know. I should have lent you Very my frustrating. mug. Boot Edge Edge. It was, but he'll be back, and Willie? better and stronger than ever. Okay, where? Mayor of South Bend, or uh, doing what exactly? You know, anything is possible. Look, there are a lot of people who, <laughs> three right. months ago, were like, who? Yeah, I, read, I, read, I read he could run in 2060 and still be younger than uh, right. Sanders. Than Bernie, huh? Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, uh, we'll get around to Bernie and the foibles of the Dems, but first I've got to ask... Adrian, were you sincere when you were saying before we got started, your brother just had to cancel his wedding in Thailand because of yeah, COVID-19? Yeah, he did. He postponed it. Um, my brother Sterling was to be uh, wed in uh, Thailand. We were all headed to Bangkok in April of this year, April 11th. And uh, he just, we've been talking with the family over the course of the last few days, and he's finally decided that they have to postpone the look for 2021. Really? You, yeah. Is there See, such a the palpable thing. fear? Yeah, well, there's that. But also, so my brother lives in the Middle East. Uh-oh. He works for an oil company. It's an oil business. Uh-oh. And the wedding was going to be in Thailand. And he's got 150 people that were coming from all over the world. Every country has different protocols. Every region has different things for their citizens when they're going to certain areas right now. Um, and the fact is, there's just, it wasn't, he wasn't going to be able to have the wedding that he truly wanted. Um, you know, like my parents weren't going to be able to go. And, and so, yeah, it's unfortunate. Really? Yeah. All right. I was really looking forward to it. I've never been. Um, it was going to be a hell of a trip. My son was coming. It was going to be super exciting. Right. But and this is the reality that we're facing. I mean, these are these are hard conversations that companies are having, families are having, everybody's having. And especially with March break coming up as well, John, um, you know, we're going to see a lot of, I think, cancellations. Well, this is why I'm wondering if we're getting too alarmist here or is it about proportional? Uh, the idea that within your own paper today, you're... Mm-hmm. Uh, and our friend Joe Warmington writing about a COVID-19 student at an ESL school at 90 Eglinton East, where yesterday, I guess they were uh, checking out 200, Suite 200 at the uh, residence there or the uh, address because uh, guys in hazmat suits and masks and everything. Mm-hmm. And yet there's sort of no further accounting from Toronto Public Health on this one. Should we be concerned about that locally? Well, I I tend to still have confidence in our public health officials um, but, you know, as, as we all do, we have friends who are in the medical profession and we talk to them. And one of them happened to mention to me, he, he'd suggested that many of these other countries are likely underreporting and for, for a whole host of reasons. And so then that affects us in Canada. I think that we deserve pu- full disclosure. I don't want it to get to the point, though, where 
um, you know, you're shaming people or you're harassing someone, an, indiv- an individual. But if you go back to our very first case, we had a lot of information. We were provided with a, a great amount of detail. Uh, and I think that we ca- we should come to expect that. Let me ask you, Mike Van Solen, for example, the recent spate over the weekend or just prior to uh, people who had come from Iran. And this is in North York in uh, Vaughan. Uh, and I'm wondering if we're doing adequate screening. For example, in the United States, Trump is suggesting, despite taking criticism for not doing enough, that they're uh, pre-screening flights that are coming from global hotspots like the Lombardy region of Italy, from South Korea into the States. And then when people come here uh, and land on their shores, that is in the States, they're also screened. Are we perhaps lax in that regard? Um Look, I think there are some things we can do, particularly around travel, to uh, to provide uh, uh, you know better screening. Uh, and but I but I do empathize with the public health officials because I do think it's tricky to figure out where this is. We have new hot spots all the time, and I'm you know I, I vacillate between whether we're we're being too complacent or whether we're overreacting to it. I mean, just. Uh, I understand there's a lot of unknowns, but I think generally the public health are doing a decent job. But the travel is the one thing that seems to me to be an area where we can focus on. Pre- people are becoming from particularly uh, places like Iran, where we know uh, there are issues and, and a lot of cases. People, of course, coming from uh, Wuhan and, and the province of China. Uh, that stuff seems important. Um, I'm not certain uh, the the uh, officials totally have their hands on, on how best to handle that uh, at, at the airport. Well, travel screening, I guess I'm asking if uh, it's time to say anybody coming in from Iran, anybody coming in, you know, or even on a connecting flight or anybody coming from South Korea, I mean, mandatory screening, Kim. Look, there's a lot of things that need to happen within the airline industry and the travel industry, um, you know, but ultimately this always goes back to better health hygiene, better hand washing. People still, for some reason, you know, can't get it in their heads to wash their hands properly. Well, yeah, that's an instruction to do the right thing. But but I'm talking about now something to uh, act on. But part of that is, and, you know, we have in Canada 3,500 people a year who die of influenza. So all the same types of things, wash down, you know, I take Lysol wipes on flights with me because I wipe down What do we do now in the immediate, though? I'm asking about that. We understand these are the things uh, preemptively or prophylactically fine. But now we've got people coming into our midst. Yeah, I think. Whether they wash their hands or they don't. Yeah, I think they do need. There's a lot of technology that allows for some versions of screening. I don't think you need to put everybody in quarantine the moment they come off a plane from any place. I think that gets to be a bit alarmist. We've got the Public Health Agency of Canada, which was designed after SARS as a response to SARS. SARS. Uh, to to sort through this issue, we need to start listening a lot clearer to PHAC and others. Uh, keep an eye on that. Pe- people need to be screened. Do they have sort of elevated uh, you know, temperatures? All right. What you're saying effectively, though, is uh, you're trusting the authorities and we shouldn't get too alarmist. I'm, I'm trusting the authorities, but you also have to take personal responsibility for what you're doing. Wash okay. your darn hands. I get it. But do we trust people then that they're doing the right thing? Or No, uh, no. No, and I think that's part of it. I think there's really what is ultimately ultimately part of the challenge here is that people are not doing those practical things that we should be doing every day. How would you enforce a better form, a regimen of screening then, Adrian? Well, I think in part it is um, implementing those procedures at the airport, for example. And it is about... uh, Not too invasive? No. Not when you have a potential global pandemic on your hands. Right. And here's the thing. I am rankled constantly about my civil liberties being uh, invaded on a regular basis. 
But when it comes to security and when it comes to these sorts of situations, I think for the vast majority, we're prepared to give up a little bit. And then I know, you know, the purists would say, well, you give up a little here, you give up a little there, whatever. I am, I think a majority of people are going to say, you want me to walk through this thing? I'm going to walk through this thing. I'm going to let you measure my temperature because I think most people want to be responsible. My worry has and always will be since we started talking about this over a month and a half ago is though are those who come back from wherever they are and don't self-report and are just like, well, I'm not feeling great. And then the exposure happens, not dissimilar to the story that uh, Joe Warmington talked about on the front page of the Toronto Sun today. This individual goes to an ESL class. We don't know how many people that uh, this person had encounters with. Um, They don't know then how many people. Is it possible that no one's infected? Probably but there still has to be precaution. So it's okay to, I'm not saying be paranoid, but it's okay to be a little, you know, overly sensitive right now. Yeah, you can be aware. You just yeah. don't be an alarmist. Like all of these things have to be taken and, and taken in measure. Contextual. And, yeah. And, all right. Uh, on another matter, when it comes to uh, being open, transparent, and accountable, I've got to ask you very quickly about this protocol that's being established with the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs and Carolyn Bennett, the Indigenous Relations Minister, as well as her B.C. counterpart. They're talking like there's a a breakthrough here and uh, the Coastal Gas Link, I guess, the work crew were back, uh, although not all the barricades have come down in uh, solidarity, including in Kanawaki, south of Montreal. But uh, would you not want to know details of what is being cobbled together, Mike Van Solen, to be a fly on the wall or at least uh, where Carolyn Bennett is taking these discussions? I would, of course, like to know, but I'm not very uh, confident that we ever will know. Um, This is not a government that has championed transparency around relations with First Nations people. And in fact, the uh, what I think was really remarkable piece of legislation, the uh, First Nations Transparency Act that the previous uh, Harper government passed, the excuse me, the current liberal government is not even enforcing it. And I just think that was a great mechanism to provide, uh, you know, average First Nations uh, people on on uh, reserves to have a better understanding of what was going on. So uh, as far as what Carolyn Bennett's doing, uh, I think it's really important that they find a way to resolve this. And, and uh, I, you know, will give the government, support the government in their efforts to do that. Uh, we should understand what the nature of that is. If you want to say this is an agreement between two nations, great. Uh, let, let's understand what that is. But I don't, if the question is, do I have high confidence we will ever know? Uh, no, I don't. Anybody share that lack of confidence, Kim? Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. They haven't been transparent about a number of agreements that have been signed and how and how they've got there and who they made the deals with. And, you know, we've, we've seen uh, newsworthy, even, even people uh, on the environmental movement and otherwise. I mean, there has to be transparency in government or else we don't have faith in our government. And that and that really does become the bottom line. Yes, there's going to be people who will uh, you know, you know, howl at the moon over some of this stuff, but at the end of the day, if your if your governments in a democracy aren't transparent, then it doesn't sell much for our democracy. Adrian, how about it? I mean, you get the sense uh, you know, the liberals are trying to get this uh thing passed as quickly as possible, put behind them. And so, I don't know if it involves a blank check or whatever. Mm. I mean, is there going to be a credibility issue here as to what's going on behind the scenes? I think that there's always been a, some sort of a credibility issue with the current liberal government. Um, you know, Justin Trudeau is the one that said he was going to negotiate all sorts of uh, issues on a nation to nation basis. But look at what we just finished talking about in terms of transparency with government agencies. It's not dissimilar to the expectation we have on any of these large issues of public policy. This 
particular issue with the pipelines and the development has massive national implications and, frankly, international implications for our country. So we should be um, uh, it should be let known what is actually going on. I think I I saw the minister's uh, comments recently over the last 24 hours. To me, it just smacked of a government who had very, very, very bad few weeks. A a prime minister who was absent, um, didn't know what to do and was really caught flat footed and then sent trotted out a minister to make it sound like something was actually going on. I don't think that they have a damn clue what to do. Quite frankly, and speaking of that same prime minister, when it comes to securing a Security Council seat at the United Nations, uh, he's actually uh, entrusted an envoy. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and anywhere else you get your on demand audio.